welcome to Social Scoop Podcast, hosted by Kristen Busquette of Your Social Mate, where we come to you every Tuesday with the scoop on what's happening in the world of social media. If you like what you hear today, we have an incredible mentorship program where we help creators monetize their influence that we'd love to chat with you about. So shoot us a DM. While you're here, we'd also love to hear your feedback. If you love this episode, leave our podcast a review. We also post a ton of social media tips on our social media profiles at Your Social Mate and at KBoosk. Welcome to episode 13. I hope everyone is having a lovely Tuesday. And I have some really fun news that came mostly from Instagram this week. There was a huge piece of news that if you did not hear, you, again, are probably living under a rock. I feel like I say this a lot. But we're going to go over it today. So no more excuses. First of all, Instagram is testing creator subscription. So this is kind of the big news that came out of the last seven days. I have such mixed feelings about this. I don't even know why I preface things by saying that because I feel like everything we go over, I'm like, I kind of hate this, but I also kind of love it. (laughs) And this is definitely one of those features. So Instagram subscriptions is something that is not hitting all accounts as of right now. Only 10 U.S. creators have gained access to this feature as of the time that I am recording this, and I don't know when this is something that is going to come out for everyone, but let me explain to you what it actually is. If it sounds like I'm reading, it's because I'm literally reading sentences because I want to make sure that I'm giving you all the right information, but no one can come at me, so. (laughs) Okay. Through the subscriptions product, creators can choose their own price point for access to their exclusive content. There are eight price points to choose from starting at 99 cents per month to as much as 99.99 a month, depending on how much a creator believes their content is worth. Most creators will likely start towards the bottom of that range with prices like 99 cents, 199, 2.99, 4.99 or maybe even 9.99 before experimenting with higher pricing like $19.99, $49.99, or $99 per month. Okay, all of this is per month. You might have heard me giggling a little bit through this because I <laughs> there's just so many weird things about this. So this subscriber feature or subscriptions feature, I think, will be really interesting to see like where people are pricing their content at. So I think about the way this could work, and I'm thinking, first of all, what can I provide that I'm not already providing for free that people would feel like is a justified purchase monthly? Like, this isn't just a one-time thing. They would get charged every month. And I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe I could do, like, Instagram Lives. Maybe I could do, like, exclusive templates that you get once a month or you know it would have to be something that I think is really tangible and something that you're not already doing obviously for free because people need to be able to justify this purchase and this the subscription from what I know of this there will be subscriber only stories and lives but that's the only two pieces of content right now that there will be that exclusivity uh, for subscribers. You will know as an influencer or creator, whatever, you will know who your subscribers are because they will have purple little badges next to their name, say like in their comments, when they're commenting on your, your photos or things like that. You will be able to identify them through that little purple badge. Also for lives, they're going to be using purple in the top right hand corner. You'll be able to see that it's like an exclusive purple live badge and that means it's for subscribers only or if 
I am like a random person and I come to your page as an influencer who has a subscription feature and you posted, you know, exclusive subscriber content. In that case, you would have a purple ring around your story so that I as a subscriber could click on it and know that it is exclusive content. So stories and lives are the only places that you can do this right now. Again, there are only 10 uh, different creators who have it right now. And I actually like when I went on their page, didn't even see the button that said subscribe now or whatever. So I'm interested to see if that's something that will be coming soon or whatever, because I think it was kind of a weird way to launch it without that, because how are we supposed to know what it's going to look like and all of that if they haven't even really like, quote unquote, finished it? So kind of a weird launch strategy, if you ask me. However, yeah, I mean, with subscriptions, I just have mixed feelings. I, at this point, am just so sick of having to feel like I need to ask my audience for money. I really don't like the idea of being like, hey guys, pay me monthly for X, Y, and Z. And I know that my content is valuable. However, I already have a mentorship program. I already have, you know, our Etsy shop. Like we already have a lot of avenues for revenue. So I just feel like it's one more thing that I'm asking people to do. And I don't always love to do that. I never want to just be like super salesy. So I don't know that I will do this. If I do, again, it's going to have to be something where people are going to get an exclusive piece of helpful content, you know, every month. Other than that, I really don't know if I will use this. I was talking to my mentorship students about this and I said, give me a thumbs up if you're into it, thumbs down. And then uh, middle thumb, you know, if you're like not really sure where you stand. And most people gave either the thumbs down or the middle thumb because I guess we're just all really not sure how to feel about it. So I would be curious to know your opinion. If you're listening right now, send me a DM and let me know if you're into the subscriptions or not. I am really excited to see what comes out of it. However, I... I really need to find a way to use this that's not going to make me feel like so much of a salesperson. So Instagram subscriptions. Also, Instagram is testing right now a vertical stories layout. I mean, hello, TikTok. This may be why the swipe up feature changed to that link sticker instead, because essentially what it will look like if this does come to fruition, basically when you hit someone's story up in that top little area where you can hit everyone's little circles. You hit someone's story, you will be able to scroll from story to story by swiping up. So just like you would swipe on TikTok to see new videos, then that's how you would swipe through stories instead of swiping to the side. Um, I really, It's really not a huge change. It kind of feels like it, but like you're just swiping one direction instead of the other. I'm sure we'll all get used to using it that way if that is what ends up happening. But I just think it's interesting because obviously that's the way TikTok has you scroll for most things with their video content. And so it does just kind of feel like a repeat of that. However, <laughs> I'm not surprised. Also, the new Instagram Stories vertical viewing experience is currently being tested with a large number of counts in different countries. So from what I've researched, not a lot of people in the U.S. actually even have access to this test so far. So we'll see if that changes. If you have it, again, definitely send me a DM. I'd be really curious to know how you like it. But yeah, again, not like a huge change. It does feel really big, but I really don't think once it actually happens, if it does that it's going to be like groundbreaking by any means. Um, speaking of stories, this kind of like, again, mixed feelings on this. I kind of hurts my soul, but kind of cool at the same time. 
So TikTok is testing stories. So just like Instagram has Instagram stories, TikTok has made the big change to be testing TikTok stories. So the way that this works is actually really interesting to me. TikTok stories would show up in your for you page. So they won't have little circles at the top or anything like Instagram does. And I know they were actually testing at first to have circles down the left side, but it made the video screen so much smaller basically like thinner almost so what they have done with this test is when you're in your for you page they will just show up randomly stories will show up randomly and you'll be able to know that they are stories because in the bottom left hand corner it will say story so people will actually be able to know if it is a story or and you would basically create a new story by hitting that plus button on tiktok like if you were to you know create any other thing and then the new stories create mode is called quick i guess so if we're looking for stories i don't know that they're going to call it stories they may just be calling it quick which is weird to me multi-part stories are viewed in your for you page by tapping the video so if there's multiple slides you would tap on it and it lets you go through all of the stories that that person posted so I love this but I really don't at the same time I have to admit I always feel every day like there's already just so many places that we as creators are expected to be posting content we already have Instagram stories Instagram feed Instagram reels TikTok and if you do Pinterest and YouTube and podcasts and all of these things like it's just already so much so I'm I'm like feeling defeated almost by the thought of, oh my God, I'm going to have one more place that I have to create content every day. And I just mentally don't know if I'm ready to handle that. I will say like maybe if I could just like take my Instagram stories and post the same ones to TikTok, I would be cool with that. But I really don't know that I want to start, you know, making an entirely new vertical of content. It's a lot. We're already doing a lot. Last thing I wanted to go over is actually a really cool hack. Now, with the link sticker, I guess I'm talking a lot about stories today. I didn't even realize all of my all my stuff today is basically about stories. <laughs> so Instagram stories has that link sticker now. And my biggest annoyance with it is that I cannot change the text color on the sticker and I sometimes want it to be like a pink or something like that to match whatever I'm doing and it just has to be like the black, the tan, or the blue. Sometimes I will get an option for a color that matches the story like screen whatever I've pulled up but a lot of times I do not and I've never been able to like figure out why I get it sometimes and why I don't. However, I just learned a little hack that pretty much answer answers that question for us and also kind of teaches us how we can use that for future reference. So I basically watched a video where this person went on to stories and they didn't pull up a picture or anything. It was just like a plain text screen and they made the whole background red. So like, you know how you can just choose a color, hold down on the screen and it will change the whole background to that color. So he did that and then he pasted in like the picture that he wanted to actually be the main story and he filled the whole screen with it so you couldn't see any of the red 
Then he went to the link sticker, typed in his, you know, custom text, da 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 da, got back onto stories, and then when he was tapping through the different colors of the link sticker, it showed that red from the background. So from my understanding, when there is a large space of one color, it will give you the option to coordinate the link sticker color with the background color. But this was cool because he covered the complete the red up completely and you couldn't see it anymore, which again, like you know, is a cool way to kind of hack the system there. So if you're ever looking to change your link sticker color, uh, like a psycho, like I <laughs> like to, then this is a cool little hack that I thought I would share with you. So today's lovely guest that we have coming on is Molly. She is really so awesome. We've been Instagram friends for a very long time now, and I was so excited about so much of the information that she shared with us today. So without further ado, here's Molly. So we are here today with my friend Molly, who we were just saying we've been friends on Instagram for so long, but we've never actually talked face to face. I feel like so many people can relate, but I'm so excited that you're here. Thank you so much for coming on. Of course. Thanks for having me on. Of course. So you have a really cool kind of influencer slash career journey. And that's one thing that I wanted to kind of have you on to talk about, because I feel like you have such a diverse background with what you've done so far in your career and you're so young. So it's awesome to see. (laughs) But I want to kind of like talk a little bit more about everything you've done in the digital space, because it's kind of been a lot. It has. It's also been very surprising, as you say, mentioning my age. I'm only 21 and I can't yeah. believe that I'm only 21. It doesn't feel like that on the day to day basis. Yeah, you're definitely like I can tell from your like work ethic and everything. You're definitely like an old soul, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I feel like I'm the same way. Sometimes I talk with, you know, some of my friends on Instagram and stuff and I'm like, wow, I'm 28. Am I like old for an influencer? <laughs> I feel it sometimes. Not at all. <laughs> I really feel it sometimes. So, okay. So you were, you know, an influencer and content creator before you actually got into your career. I want to talk to you about that, but I first want to start off talking about your influencer career a little bit. How did you even get started on, you know, Instagram and eventually on TikTok as well? Yeah. So I definitely think that this is an interesting journey. It has been really all over the place in the best way possible. So I first started getting exposed to the community when I joined my Her Campus chapter at my college, UCF. So basically Her Campus has chapters across the nation where you can write editorial content every single month. And with that, they have smaller communities for college students and also the Influencer Collective where I work now that is for larger influencers. So I got involved with Campus Trendsetters and College Fashionista from the get-go and I got some really, really cool gifted opportunities. Also some paid ones that were definitely catered to me because I was a smaller influencer at the time. I didn't even think that I was an influencer at the time, (laughs) but I got to partner with Conair. That was my very first one. I'll never forget that. And It was gifted content, but that definitely got me really interested in the industry. I thought it was just so cool that people could create social media content and get paid for it and eventually turn it into a job. I was in college. I was a sophomore at the time. I was really busy, but then the pandemic hit and I basically had nothing to do. So it came 
very naturally to me to just create content at home or go out however safe I could be and go outside, make some content, partner with other brands, whether it was gifted or just like a really small payment. So because I had that much downtime, I saw a lot of growth. And then from there, I basically just continued to post as an influencer and to continue to create content. And yeah, that has led all the way to here. I can't believe that it's only been maybe two years. I yeah. It feels like I've been doing this forever, but it has definitely been a journey from start to now. Yeah, it's it really is crazy. I didn't actually realize that that whole process was so quick for you because I feel like I remember like when you were first starting, but I didn't really think about the fact that you were just starting. So it really has been a very short (laughs) amount of time. You touched on uh, something that I totally didn't know. So with getting started on like her campus, the, the chapter and everything, I didn't know it was also through College Fashionista. So that's actually one of the reasons that I first got started too. I used to, when I was a freshman in college, I think it was 2013, I was writing for College Fashionista at FIT as well. So I totally didn't know we had that connection. That's really cool. We we actually recently acquired them. It hasn't been a Hercanus community for a while, but it has definitely been so interesting to see the overlap because there's so many people that are here from that long ago. And then so many people now that have joined it because of her campus. So it's such a great mix because we keep an alumni network also with College Fashionista. So we kind of make sure that everyone that has graduated is still looped in, whether it's just knowing that you have other alumni at your disposal or just like keeping them in the loop but it's so cool to see how many people over the years have been a part of College Fashionista. Seriously, it's it's one of those funny things that so many people probably have at the start of their career, but no one really like, I haven't heard anyone talk about it as much as they used to. So I like <laughs> never really think about it anymore. So yeah, that's super cool. And I've noticed that as of recently, I would say, I don't know, maybe the last six to eight months, your TikTok has been like pretty popping as well. So how do you feel about the mix between Instagram and TikTok? Like, do you have any favorite things about each of the platforms or least favorite? It's it's definitely so back and forth because with TikTok, I saw the quickest growth that I yeah. have ever seen before. I went viral for a very simple H&M haul January of 2021. And that alone got me 28,000 followers. And as an influencer, you're like, this is incredible. Like I suddenly have this platform that I can monetize and create content on. But then it's also terrifying because 28,000 people followed you because of one thing (laughs) and no person creates only one type of content. So I definitely feel that pressure on TikTok every time that I go viral for something. I get a couple hundred, maybe a couple thousand followers. I'm at 31,000 now. So I have lost some, gained more in that span of time. But I have definitely noticed that if you don't create the content that you went viral for, it's not going to make any difference in your audience. And it's also not going to perform well. And I don't like that because I went viral for fashion content. And while I love fashion content, I also like to cook. I also like to bake. I also like to rant. I also like to make (laughs) social media tips and those just won't perform well. But the minute that I post a fashion video, whether it's like super high effort or it was the quickest thing I've ever done, it performed super well. So that's definitely one of the things that I don't like about TikTok. I do like how laid back it is. I like how just human it is. I feel like it's so much less curated than Instagram because people just kind of like hop on, talk and then interact with people. 
But for Instagram, I just like treating it like my own Pinterest board coming to life. I like how you can make a nice cohesive feed. You can take whatever pictures you want, put them all together. But at the same time, it's impossible to reach people. So I feel like I'm split right down the middle with both because my content doesn't perform well on Instagram unless I make reels. And then my content doesn't perform well on TikTok unless I make what I went viral for. So I'm kind of like in the middle right now. I'm trying to not think about it too much, but it's hard to do that. It's honestly so insane. The similarities, like everything you just said, I literally agree with every single word. I feel the exact same way. And I definitely do notice that, especially with TikTok and like the whole niche thing, like TikTok people are so specific so many of the times like it will be someone who does like what are those things oh my gosh the little figures oh my god they're like disney figures you know what i'm talking about and they have like the big no. heads and the small bodies damn what are they called we're on different Bunko tiktoks Funko pops, <laughs> pops. I, oh. I don't know why i see those all the time but like think about like there are literal like, tiktok accounts dedicated to funko pops like it's crazy how specific the niches are on TikTok versus Instagram. And you're so right. Like sometimes I don't want to post about social media. I'll post about like fashion or something and it's literal like silence, total silence. So it really is so crazy how you have to be like such a specific niche. It almost makes me want to like sometimes create a separate account on TikTok for the different things. But I'm also like, dude, I do not have time to have 10 TikTok accounts. And then you have to build up a whole other account. I don't know if you noticed, but Emily Mariko, when she went viral for her food, her salmon rice bowl, and then all of like her very low key content, because she just kind of shows the process of what she's doing. She had to make a whole separate account to post like her OOTDs and just videos of her talking because she never talks on her main page because it wasn't performing well at all. But when she made the separate page, because she went viral, now that content does incredibly on that page and her food content does incredibly on her main page. So now she almost has two equally successful TikTok accounts. Yeah. And it like makes me think, do I need to have 4 million followers to start posting whatever I want? Because how do I even get to that yep. point? It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's like, there are so many pros and cons of each. Cause like, I think about those things with TikTok, but I also really love TikTok for, like you said, you know, it's so much less pressure. Like I feel like I post on TikTok and I'm like, I don't give a shit how this performs. Like, let's just right. see what happens. Who cares? Like I'll post another one tomorrow, you know, whereas Instagram, it's like the complete opposite. And I like the fact that maybe I don't have to be as specific with my niche on Instagram, but then there's the other issue of like, I literally can't even reach the people that I already have as followers, never mind new people as of the last few months, unless I'm posting a reel. And I sometimes don't want to post a reel. (laughs) Right. The biggest difference too is that there's the for you page and the following. And I find myself never on the following tab. Oh, me either. I have to remind myself to click it. Whereas on Instagram, I avoid the explore page at all costs because I know the minute that I interact with one thing on it, my whole suggested and my whole algorithm is going to be thrown off. So we're in that mentality of 
whichever platform you were on first, you're just going to follow what you do on that one on the other platform. And I just hate that they're so opposite because now with all the changes on Instagram too, like, are people going to forget to put me in their favorites tab? Are people going to stick to the homepage or the following page? I know. It's something that I'm so worried about because I hate begging people to do things. I'm not going to post on my story every single day. Put me on your favorites. Put me on your favorites. Mm-hmm. Don't forget to check and put me on your favorites. I don't want to do that. But I also don't want to tank my own content. Are we the same person? <laughs> like, Probably. are you reading my mind? Are you inside my mind? Yeah, no, I, I literally echo everything you just said and I my prediction before we end this rant my prediction is that once this new home feed comes out everyone's gonna either be on the favorites tab or on the chronological no one's touching the one you know like regular home feed that we have now because we're all sick of it when right. people are on chronological, we're absolutely all going to see less. Uh, we're going to lose followers because how many people do you follow that you're like, I didn't even remember I followed them. I actually don't give a shit about what they're posting unfollow. Right. And then you're also as an influencer, I feel like we're all going to be like, don't again, don't forget to put me on your favorites. And like, I'm so sick of asking people to do things. I shouldn't have to ask people. They should just do it. <laughs> so right. I, I mean, I totally understand exactly where you're coming from. It'll be interesting <laughs> to see, but we'll never know until it's it's out there. And that's the beauty right. of Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I could literally rant about this all day. But anyway, I want to talk a little bit about your current job right now. I also think it's so cool that you've been with the same company, like literally from the start of your career. And from everything I see you say, it seems like it's the best company ever. <laughs> it absolutely is. I love Her Campus Media and the Influencer Collective so much. And like you said, I've been kind of involved with them since the beginning of college. So it, it feels like I've been in so many different positions that it still feels like things are changing all the time. But when I look at it from an outer scope, it's like, wow, I've really been here since the start. Yeah, it's it's really awesome when you can find a company that really just like makes you feel good and you're excited to work for them because so many times people in jobs that are working for other people are like you know I wish I was doing my own thing like I why am I helping someone else's dream like (laughs) I feel like so many people think of that but like I feel like your job just seems like you're just everyone on the team is excited to make the whole dream come true and like that's really cool to find you know It's not very often that that happens. So I want to hear a little bit about what your actual job is. So like, tell us your title and a little bit more about what you do. Right. So right now I'm the junior associate at Her Campus Media for the community marketing team, specifically the influencer team. So I am working on the influencer collective community. So with that, I work on all things brand campaigns. So that includes the process of vetting influencers, hiring them for our campaigns, communicating with the client. I'm going to interchange the word brand and client a lot, but they're basically the same thing. Creating assets for the influencers like our campaign briefs, which basically delineates any guidance that they need throughout the campaign from start to finish, whether it's like a one-off campaign where it's just one post and they're done, or it's like a full year ambassadorship, we still like to set them up with something to be able to go back and look at. And yeah, I communicate with the community specifically what they need for campaigns throughout the whole process. They have like my email. I'm always talking to different influencers, answering their questions. And it has definitely been interesting because like you mentioned, I've been a part of the Her Campus family itself for a really long time, but I started part-time on the Her Campus team 
kind of in the same role in February. And then in September, I started full time. So now it's like full blown my nine to five. I'm putting all my attention to these brand campaigns. And it's just so interesting to see that process from the back end, being an influencer myself. I have learned so much about the things that I do myself. And it has just completely changed my perspective on the industry. It's funny. That was actually going to be my next question to you. Like, because you were an influencer first and now you're in this role where you're the one choosing the influencers essentially, you know, like how has that changed? Like, what are some things that you've realized? Like, has it opened your eyes up to kind of like maybe things brands are looking for? I'd love to hear more about that. That's really, it's cool. It's a cool concept. Yeah, it's definitely been eye-opening. I would say that I understand the industry a lot more. I feel like I can perform as an influencer better. And at the same time, I feel like I have this insider knowledge when I am working with brands and looking at these campaigns from an influencer perspective, but also if I'm making any campaigns with brands directly, I kind of know the process in the back of my head now. And there is so much work that goes into building a brand campaign. Obviously in the past, I didn't just think that it was a brand hiring someone posting and you're done. I knew it was more extensive than that, but I never knew to what extent these campaigns go through so many teams at her campus, so many hours going to them. There's so much planning. There's so much communication. There's so much fine tuning and just making sure that everything is all set both for the client and also for the influencers. And it has just made me respect the industry and brands themselves so much more. I have learned so much from them. And I also feel like I have a better understanding of what their goals are. It's not necessarily necessarily always going to be product awareness, or it's not always going to be more sales. Sometimes brands just want their product to be more aesthetically pleasing. Or I would say something as funny as Duolingo randomly going viral on TikTok. Sometimes a brand just wants exposure. So these campaigns can help them do something like that. Do I use Duolingo? No. Am I trying to use, <laughs> learn a new I'm not, but I know everything about the brand now because they made such a successful campaign, even though it was in-house with their own team, not with influencers. There's just so much that goes into it. You can achieve so many different goals if you approach it the right way. Yeah, that's a really great point. And it's pretty cool to think about maybe for people who have no idea about how brand campaigns work. Like, again, there are so many different objectives that you have as, you know, an agency putting this together for a brand, you know, what is the goal of the campaign? And then you ch would choose a totally different batch of influencers for each of those campaigns. So I was going to ask a little bit more about like how that whole process works when a client like comes to you guys, how do you decide like, you know, who the best influencers to work with are? Like, how does that whole process work? Yeah, definitely. So it is, exactly what you mentioned. Different brands have completely different goals. Like I was saying earlier, it's not everyone just wanting more purchases or wanting more exposure. So I feel like a lot goes into choosing the right influencer. And like you said, when we get direction from our clients, it can change completely who we're hiring. So some brands will say that they want more exposure. So you want an influencer that can have more reach, that can have more followers, which doesn't always mean more reach. I mean, I have such a larger reach than I would think I would have with 5,000 followers on Instagram, a couple reels that perform well. And I have like 500,000 reach in a month when I only have 5,000 followers. So there's definitely that expectation too, whether you want to be asking about reach versus followers 
followers. But I would definitely say that there are so many different ways that you can approach something. So a client will tell us their goal, whether it's pretty content, content creation, or if they even want content not posted from the influencers page, but they just want good content for their page. We also have campaigns that work like that sometimes. So it really just depends on what their goals are. We definitely make sure that we're all on the same page before even starting or giving out an application because it can definitely change who we're looking for. And that's another thing too. We like to be as transparent as possible early on in the process. If a brand wants to reach college students or if they only want to work with college students, we're going to say that from the beginning because then we get a bunch of non-college students or non-college aged influencers that are applying and then you see that you have a thousand applications but only a hundred of them are eligible and then that influencer gets let down that they didn't get picked for something so we always like to be transparent so that when an influencer first sees an opportunity they can immediately be like oh this sounds like me or this isn't something that I'm interested in yeah I actually I remember I get a ton of emails from you guys whenever there are new campaigns and things like that. And it's true. Like you are, you are one of the few platforms that actually gives that information. Like sometimes it will say like, we're only looking for people between, you know, 10 and 20,000 and like that already weeds out so many people, but it's interesting to think about like most of the time you'd be like, what they're capping it at 20,000. Like, don't they want more? But again, like some brands have different objectives. Like obviously if they're, you know, looking for a certain group of people, their objective may not be just getting, you know, as many purchases as possible. So it's, it's cool to think about the back end, but again, not many people have access to that like you do. So it's definitely, it must be cool to kind of have the inside scoop, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) So as someone who is basically helping to vet the influencers that you guys, you know, and your clients work with, What do you find to be the most important things for an influencer to do in order to put themselves in a position to basically be like a really good brand partner for you guys? I would definitely say, like we were saying before, first, just knowing what the brand's and the client's goal is, having in mind immediately can change everything. Because like you mentioned, sometimes we have that follower range. But within that follower range, if we're working with a beauty brand and they're completely a fitness account, we want to make sure that it aligns as well for the brand as it does for the influencer. Because if there's a person that's very niche in that's still willing to post, we want to make sure that it sounds organic to their audience and to the people that follow them. So I would say that being a good influencer depends on so many different things, but I definitely think it's so important to know that it has less to do with followers than people would think. It doesn't mean that if you have 10,000 followers, you're better than someone with 3,000 followers because I don't know how many people don't know this, but we can see when it's fake engagement. We can see when people buy their followers. We can tell when it's not actual people commenting on your pictures. So the first thing that's most important to keep in mind is just a real organic influencer, not someone that's trying to like beat everyone out in terms of followers and reach and likes and everything because you're not influencing for the right reason. So it isn't someone that we would want to work with, but also something that I'm surprised matters so much to brands and to the communities as well is the diversity of content. So making sure you're utilizing reels, but also stories because 
that kind of shows you who knows how to make more diverse content and who would be able to kind of jump into those positions. Because most of our campaigns, I would say, are a TikTok or a Reels and then an Instagram story set yeah. or an Instagram post, maybe also a Reels and then a story set. We almost always have a bunch of deliverables. So you want to make sure that you don't just see three Reels and 150 posts on Instagram or three in-feed posts and then like 20 reels unless it's specifically just that campaign so it's also cool to see that we want to make sure they're as human as possible too like post about the books that you like to read even if you're a beauty influencer and post about your day-to-day life even if you're only making foodie content because it's just so interesting to see when people have different interests and that just has like a more organic engagement with your community too because those people like a bunch of different things too. So that's another thing I would say that we look at how your community interacts with you. Obviously, like we were saying earlier, it sucks to ask people for things. So obviously we're not looking for people that get a hundred million comments on every single post, but it's always great to see someone that has a comment like, oh, your content has really changed my life. Or like, I also like that book. That's really awesome. Because then we know that whatever content they produce, there's going to be people organically talking talking about it, commenting on it, asking questions. So I definitely think that that's important. And something that has to do more specifically with the brand itself, another great selling factor is just an influencer that already talks about the brand, that already posts about the brand, because you can only assume that organic content is going to come from them. Like, from the people that I follow, I can tell you at least one brand that they all like, because that's the fun part about going on stories and posting on Instagram is like, I really like this one thing, or I'm super partial to this one product over another. So then when you see someone like that partnering with them, you can only be so happy for them because you know that they talk about it all the time. So that's definitely a plus. I would obviously not say that that's a requirement because if you posted about every single brand you liked, you'd have a million posts on Instagram, but it's always fun to see when someone has already been talking about that brand or that client. Yeah. I mean, you literally just like busted out the best checklist ever for anyone who's listening to this right now. I hope you wrote all of that down because seriously, those are all really, really great tips and and different tips that I've heard before. So definitely very helpful. One thing that you touched on that I think is interesting and, and not a lot of people I think that are just starting out really understand is you were saying like, you have to be a good fit for the brand. Like, it's not just like, oh, I make pretty content. Do you want me to make you some like, and I can post it. It's just like, you have to be able to post about that brand and it be organic for your audience. Like it be authentic. And again, like your audience can typically scope out the bullshit really quickly. So I get this question on TikTok all the time. People are always like, oh, what brands should I reach out to? Oh, what brands are paying? And it's like, that's not how you should be looking at it. I say you always have to go like, look at the brands you're already using. Don't ask which brands are paying. You're supposed to be asking like, which brands do I love that I would want to work with that my audience would really like? And I hate getting that question because I'm just like, you're all looking at it the wrong way. You have to look at it from a more organic and authentic place because anyone can post an ad, but like, can anyone have the same impact? Everyone have the same impact? No, it really depends on like how, I'm not believable because it should be the truth, but like how believable your ad is. Right. And I think that can be positively shifted too to what I was saying earlier, like post as many things as you want that you like, because 
for example, I remember I've also been following you for so long and I know that you, I wouldn't say recently because honestly, my scope of time is so off, but the I last think two more, years. Recently than the, <laughs> more recently than the beginning of your journey, you've been talking about plants and loving plants yes. and you totally could have done that behind the scenes, but because you're posting about it, I'm already associating that with you regardless. Yes. I don't think that that means that like something's coming up or like a project is brewing. But when you have that association as a follower, you're like, oh, I know Kristen likes a bunch of different things. And if you do partner with, I don't know, a plant company or something that has to do with that, I already know that your page isn't necessarily the number one go-to spot for plant tips, but you already post about it. So right. I know to expect that from you. So I think a lot of people shy away from talking about random things that they like. Like, for example, I started out as a really creative kind of like photo editor type of style. Mm -hmm. And then I went into fashion. And when I immediately did that shift, I think I ended 2020, took like a two or three week break, which is actually exactly what I'm doing right now. But I did that. I came back with fashion. Everyone was like, I had no idea you liked fashion, were into fashion, liked clothes. And it's like, wow, like people actually follow you and they, they keep tabs in their head. So it's just so important, even if it's just on stories, even if it's twice a month that you say you like something, that association is so important for the future. And also someone like me, someone that works with influencers at a media company or connects you with these brand campaigns, I know in the back of my head, the people that I follow, what they're doing. So you don't know who follows you. You don't know what brand rep could be following you from their personal account. You have no idea. So when these brands also see you, follow you. I know that so many times when we're doing direct outreach, or if someone asks me, Hey, like, who do you think of when you think of this brand? Or who do you think of when you think of fashion? I can immediately spit out like 10 or 15 names because I keep that awareness in my head. So I think that's so important for people to know, because you really have no idea what eyes are on you at all times. It's a really good point. It's kind of a scary point, but it, it kind of keeps you in check, you know? Yeah, no, I think that is really interesting. And it also kind of touches on, you know, having some sort of a relationship with the people that you are working with at brands and at agencies. Obviously, you guys are real people, but sometimes it just feels like you're emailing and you don't really realize that that's a person on the other end. So, you know, yes, you could definitely be looking at content in, in good or bad ways, depending on what kind of content it is that's being posted. But also like if I work on a campaign and do a really good job, you're going to immediately think of me for the next one too. So like, right. I feel like just being able to like, you know, over deliver or like just get the post to perform as best as possible, create like the best content ever, really like wowing the brands and the agencies that you're working with you're a real human to them too. So I think it goes along the lines of getting rehired too. I think if you can make these, you know, like associations with the people you're working with, they'll think of you again for other campaigns. Exactly. And I have seen that so many times with brands that we've worked with multiple times, they will have these people in mind, even though they're a huge brand, they have a ton of things to do. They probably work with influencers all the time. But when we work with a brand, again, they always remember who wowed them the first time. And I feel like me as an influencer, I, I would have never thought of this because 
Something that we value at Heart Campus so much is that human connection, is making sure that people know that we're real people too. Something that we recently did on the Influencer Collective Socials, we each made reels of just little introductions, who we were, what we do, and those comments were just so impressive. People were so genuinely happy that they could put a face to the name, see who's doing what, kind of like humanize that. And what we do with our campaigns, we do kickoff calls. Also, we get everyone as much, I mean, as many people as are available, of course, with the client, with our team on a Google Hangouts call. We encourage camera on so you can familiarize yourself with everyone. And we go through the brief, we go through any questions live. And that really helps because then the next time that you have a question, you feel so comfortable because you're like, oh, I already talked to the Hurt Campus team. I know I can ask them anything. And the brand too, they get to see you in person. Right. They don't just get to see your piece of content. They get to see you as a person. And I think that's so important. And that's something that I never would have considered early on. Yeah. I think a lot more brands should start doing those kind of kickoff calls because I've only worked with a couple agencies or brands before that do them. But the ones that do, it's so true how much more connected with them you feel and again, more comfortable. And even just like, like you're actually starting a relationship with that person. And it's so much cooler than just like emailing someone and you have no idea like who it actually is or what they look like or anything like that. And you, what you said about, you know, how you guys really try and even like introduce your team on social media and things like that. It's funny. Cause I started to think, and I was like, oh yeah, even your emails that you send out, like the newsletter says like Molly from her campus or influencer collective. So it's cool that like you're humanizing your brand there. And again, I think a lot of brands in the next year are going to start doing more and more of that because especially after the last two years, I feel like everyone just is craving actual human connection, even if it has to be digital, but it's cool to know that you're actually associating with another person on the other end who's a real human. Because again, I think with the computer and the phone, you don't always feel that way. Definitely. And I think also there's something as easy as just understanding each other a little bit more, being on the same page with communication. It's so easy to send out an email, not get a response in the time that you expect and then send out a follow-up email and then send another email. And immediately in your head, you're like, this brand hates me. Or if you're pitching yourself, it's like, this brand hates me. Or if you're trying to talk to another influencer, it's like, they don't have time for me. I don't like them. When in the reality, when I'm gone for a long weekend or even a couple of days, I come back to 200, 300 emails. It takes a while to get through them. And at the same time, as someone who works with influencers, you think to yourself, like, why isn't this person answering? Is there a better way to reach them? But when you hop on these calls or when you meet with them one-on-one, it's just as easy as like, oh, that's my school email. I can't see that after 5 p.m. I can't see that on the weekend. Here's my personal email. And then that's it. You just solve the problem. Right. You can't always expect someone to answer you in two minutes because you would, or you can't always get mad at someone because they're not answering you because you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And I feel like just a quick form of communication like that can clear up so many miscommunications. And I've also learned to not think that a brand is ghosting me, is ignoring me. I really think that there is such a negative stigma around that. And I understand I have been in a position where I'm an influencer emailing a brand and they don't get back to me. And I get super frustrated because I love the brand so much. But you also have to think, how many emails do they get? Did your email go to spam? So many of my emails go to spam and it's not like Google tells you. When you have too many links, when you have spam words, it'll go to spam. You can't just assume that the person opened and saw your email or your message. Yeah, it was just like, screw you. (laughs) Right. 
know, there's so much to understand in that point too. That's another thing that I go back to how much I've learned just being on the back end of things. Yeah. I mean, so speaking of things you've learned, one thing that I ask every single person I talk to that's on the other side is how do brands that you're working with as an agency how do they take post-performance? Cause like we were just talking in the beginning about how like Instagram sometimes is just like goes haywire and you're like, I hate this place. It sucks. Like, I don't know what I did to deserve this. We've all been there. And I feel like a lot of the times it happens on sponsored posts, unfortunately. So if a brand, for example, hired me and expected my post to perform a certain way and it did not meet those standards, even though again, I did everything as an influencer that I possibly could, how does that work with you between you and the brand, I guess? I think as an influencer creating content that has, like you said, had Instagram tank one of my sponsored posts, it's one of the worst feelings. It's almost it embarrassing yep. because you promised to deliver something. And I think that on the influencer side of things, so not talking about her campus, I think that if a brand wants to see certain numbers, they should tell you because if you're getting hired to create content, you created the content point blank. You didn't promise that you were going to get a million impressions. Yep. You didn't promise that it was going to be your best post of all time. And I think it's very unfair when a brand tells you that they expected more from you if they didn't tell you from the beginning, because in that case, I would have prioritized sharing my post to my story more often, sending it to the people yeah. that I know would love to see it. So I think that that communication is really important at the beginning that I wish more people did. But in terms of post-performance from the campaigns that I have been seeing, like we were saying earlier, every brand has different goals for a bunch of different things. So it's definitely tough to answer because performance in itself can mean so many different things. Very true. Does a brand want link taps? Does a brand want the at taps and comments? Does a brand want saves? Does a brand want shares? Do they want comments? Do they want likes? The biggest thing that I have seen in terms of importance is just your community saying, this is really cool. I want to try this out. It seems like you really love this. So I'm definitely going to check it out. Just that genuine engagement feels like the best performance possible. Of course, a brand will be super happy if something goes viral, if something gets a lot of views, if something gets a lot of clicks. Right. But I would say that the engagement side of things is definitely where they're the most impressed. So if you just post, you need to try this product. Okay, cool. Not that many people are going to listen to you or try that yeah. product. But if you just say, hey, this made my daily life easier. Do you also have a nine to five job? Because this made my job go a lot smoother. Then it's like yeah. people that have jobs are interested in what you're saying or people that resonate with you are like, wait, can that help me too? The less salesy that you sound and the more genuine that you perform and post content, the more that people will just be intrigued in what you're saying. So in terms of performance, I just think overall, the main thing that you should be focusing on, if you weren't directly told that you need to meet a certain level of metrics, is just that personal engagement, even DMs. Like I, as an influencer, have sent brands DMs that I get. It's like, hey, I posted the story about our collab. This person is so interested. This person was so impressed. This person just bought 10. Like that's so impressive to a brand. They love to hear that because they get thousands of sales. They don't know which ones are yours unless you yeah. have that discount code. And even if you do have an affiliate code or a link, sometimes people forget to use them, but they're still coming directly from you. 
So exactly. There's so many factors that go into it, but again, as an influencer on the team, I definitely understand if the algorithm had something to do with it. If a post doesn't perform as well as someone expected it to personally, I have that sympathy because I've been through it and I really don't think it's as big of a deal as people play it in their heads, unless it's something that you agreed to at the beginning, which again, I feel very difficult to agree with. Like I personally would never, I shy away from any any brand that tells me you need to meet XYZ because I don't know if I'm going to have a bad day or it's just not going to do that. Yeah, exactly. Like we definitely can't predict the future in general, but we definitely cannot predict the future of Instagram. (laughs) You just (laughs) never know what's going to come out of there. But yeah, I mean, this was super helpful. I feel like there are so many influencers who listen that again, like maybe don't fully understand the brand side of things, but also just don't have access. So I always love when I'm able to kind of like have these conversations with people because it it's crazy how little information there is out there about the influencer industry because it really is still so new. So you're doing your service here by, by helping out the little people, all the influencers out here. I agree. I think it's so hard to not have that like set in stone handbook to look back at, or it's not an industry mm-hmm. that's being taught in school yet. There's nothing to refer back to. Exactly. So I've honestly learned the most from my own research, my own posts, and just the people in the industry as well. Yep. When you put a bunch of brains together and you kind of, it makes it easier to come to a conclusion about the questions that you have. Exactly. Yeah. hundred percent. So at the end of all of the episodes, I let you ask me one question. So <laughs> let's hear your one question. It's my lucky day. Something that I'm so intrigued about and have to feel like I have to give you a million congratulations because like we were saying earlier, despite Kristen and I DMing each other every single day about whatever we're posting, we have never spoken face to face. So congrats on your engagement. Congrats Thank on you. your so happy following along all the time. But I think my number one question is just what your dream aspiration is as a content creator and as an entrepreneur. I know that you have this podcast and you just launched a planner. And I feel like in terms of diversifying your platform, I love those things. I feel like that's something that I'm definitely looking at and looking forward to because I feel like there's so much more to being an influencer, being a creator than just posting. So is there that next big thing that you're looking at or what you want your future to look like? So it's crazy because I have this like internal question to myself about every single day, maybe five times a day, because <laughs> it's hard to like, you know, I, I personally don't really look that much into the future, which is a good and bad thing, I guess. But I try and just like, you know, go really hard in what I'm doing right now. But I have been thinking a lot about the future because of how much Instagram has been annoying me, because I'm like, if this doesn't last forever, if I decide one day mentally, I can't handle it anymore. I want to have a backup plan. I love the podcast. And one thing the podcast has taught me is how much I love talking, (laughs) which (laughs) in different, you know, like in different situations, I love the podcast to, to be able to have conversations with people, but I also love teaching. So my goal is to become someone who's less of like, you know, influencer on the internet and more of like speaking at events and, and teaching in person and kind of doing more like conferences and things like that. So I, I guess I'd like to be more of like an educator or more of a speaker or more of like an expert 
I guess, you know, so that's, that's my goal. We'll see how it goes. I'm trying to get my foot in the door as many different ways as possible, but my answer could totally be different tomorrow. (laughs) No, I definitely love that. I think that with the last two years, how they've been and with personally starting in the middle of the pandemic, I forget that with being an influencer comes invitations to New York Fashion Week, invitations to brand activations, invitations to brand launches, speaking at conferences, speaking on panels, because I was never a part of the industry when that was safe to do. So I tend to forget the whole other side that could be happening if things were different. So I love that. And I feel like you've already set yourself up to do that. And I love that you said that you love talking because I love listening to you. And I know that a lot of people would agree, especially the people listening to us right now. Well, I mean, I guess that's a good thing. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. That's a, that's a good step in the right direction. At least people don't hate listening to me or at least not the ones who are listening right now. (laughs) So where can everyone find you who is listening to this conversation? So I am at Molly Daniela, M-O-L-L-I-E. That's a big thing that I got to yep. point out on TikTok and on Instagram. And if you're interested in any of the communities that I mentioned earlier, we have the Influence Her Collective. So it's not Influencer, it's Influence Her. The College Fashionista, which is C Fashionista on Instagram. And then at Campus Trendsetters, if you visit any of the three Instagram pages, they'll have all of the links to join the communities respectively, the ones that you can be involved in. So yeah, that's where you can find me and all of my things also. (laughs) And all of the branches of your daily life. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. This was an awesome conversation. I hope everyone listening got something very special from it. Again, you probably took a lot of notes. Go follow Molly and all of, again, the branches of her daily life. And thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end. I hope you love this episode. Don't forget to give us a review and also give us a follow on social media. You can find us at KBOOSK, K-B-O-U-S-Q, and at your social mate, S-O-U-L, show mate. (laughs) We'll see you guys next time.